Welcome to the Needle Jig Podcast, Season 1, Episode 16, Adrian L. Bello. I am Mark from Needle Jig, and you can usually catch me doing live interviews on YouTube. And occasionally, I get to get in the car and drive to a shop and see an old friend in person. This podcast was recorded in Adrian's shop down in Connecticut. I am Mark from Needlejig, and you can normally catch me doing live interviews on Mondays on YouTube, but occasionally I'm lucky enough to be able to get in my car and go visit an old friend in person. This podcast is the audio from just one of those events. These shows are put together for the serious tattooer and enthusiast out there, but please remember you cannot learn how to tattoo off the internet. Go find yourself a real apprenticeship, and then we'll welcome you with open arms. We wanted to end this first season with a bang and adrian takes his craft seriously so pay attention and enjoy don't forget to leave your comments in the podcast review and anything else you need us for go to cs at needlejig.com now let's talk tattoo with adrian albello cartridges as I think I need. I never do just what I need because then I don't want to have to take the gloves off to start doing something else. I don't want to get sidetracked. I want to understand what I have first and foremost. It's all out. If I don't use it, I don't use it. If I do use it, then cool. It was already out. You guys ever used round shaders before? Started with flats. I actually migrated into round shaders and then once I went to mags, I Barely touch round shaders anymore just for corners and details and stuff, but not for large scale at all. I use the round shaders, same thing, kind of like details, but more of like uh, stuff that's more round and bubbly or whatever. Um, it's kind of like using a thick pencil. So if you, if I'm, I'm used to drawing with graphite pencils, that was my, my, what I started off with, that's what I ended off with. I'm not, a, I'm not big on painting, I'm not big on uh, airbrushing, I'm not big on any of that stuff. I've always just been like a straight pencil guy. Graphites, graphite pencils, and, and I do everything with that. So when I use the, the round shaders and my liners and stuff, it kind of brings me back to that. So it puts me back in that element where, you know, that's my first art form. Um, tattooing is, is, of course, second, which now is kind of my first because I do this more than I do anything else. Um, even Even if it's just throwing something together on the skin real quick and then being able to use the the arm or you know whatever body part it is as the canvas is like I'm drawing right on the skin rather than having something completely prepared I'm able to just kind of do my own thing and play around so I'm glad that I have a client who, who actually trusts me with a lot of this stuff what am I going to start with? Uh, let's start with an 11 this is my favorite it honestly is my. I, I used to be like dedicated to to the nine raw mag, and um, when I went down from from standard twelves to bug pins to the tens, I ended up gravitating towards the elevens. I like the size of it, and I feel it's real versatile because I can still I can still go smooth with it, um, but then it's small enough where if I need to get in tight spots to get the detail, I'm able to get it. Uh, for right now, I'm just starting on the. Um, on the trees, so it's just a lot of black work, and we'll just start there. So as we're talking, you know, happy tree. little trees it is. Happy little trees. Fucking love these battery packs, man. I mean, battery packs in general, but 
What I like about these, I've, I've tried other ones, and they don't have like the um, like the point five setting. These have the point five setting, and they fit so snug right on there. I actually wanted to get the flux, but the flux has no give, and I'm one of those guys who kind of needs to give a little bit. So I just stood with my um, with my Zion. I'll replace that in a couple months too. Okay. Once again, we're going to the black. This black is great. It saturates well. Um, I don't give the machine too much give. It's just enough that I can kind of hammer down a little bit more without worrying too much about beating the skin up real bad. So then I, if I need to, I can go back and layer over one more time just to get good coverage. But you see that black is black. Someone I know told me more black and ever since that one person told me more black i decided to always add more black that guy sounds brilliant uh, yeah i don't even run my machine too high my machine's only at eight volts i i had a debate with someone the other day on a post uh they were they were knocking the battery pack and and i was actually defending it and they told me that they run their machine at 10.5 and I'm like, what? You're not even, I don't even think through warranty you're supposed to run your Zion all the way at 10.5. Like, yeah, it can go up to 10.5, but I, like, who really needs to run that damn fast? Like, you must have the best control in the world to run at 10.5 and not turn someone into ground beef. There's an unfortunate problem in the world where a lot of people think they're smarter than the people that design and manufacture the equipment sometimes, but, uh, you know can't do anything about that. Yeah, I know when I first got the Zion, I remember guessing saying, I remember him saying not not to run the machine past, I, I think it was 10. Don't run it past 10. And for a little while, I was running my machine like 9, 9.5, and I realized that my motor will was given out on me real quick. And I'm like, but I never ran past 10. Um. But then at, at that point either, I also wasn't giving the machine, I wasn't turning the give knob at all to give the machine, you know, any, uh, any release from all the pressure. You know, you, you have it on full direct and you're running the machine so high. I mean, you have to expect for, for something to go wrong. You're putting a lot of strain on the machine itself, on the, on the motorboat. You know, we, we, want, we want these machines that are uh, revolutionary and everything and we just don't follow the instructions on how to use the machines because we're so dead set on using uh, the machine how we're used to tattooing with our other machine. Well I mean think about it, I mean you could buy a Ferrari right and you take that Ferrari and you can drive it at 200 miles an hour for years and years and years and years or you can drive it at 250 miles an hour for a week. Yep. You know I mean but people just don't put the thought process into it. I like following the rules. Fuck rules. Yeah. Well, I don't want my warranty to be up, anyways. You know, I want I want it to stay within warranty. Good thing is, when they tell me it's not, I have good people to back me up. So you'll notice with a lot of with a lot of what I do, um, a lot of the stuff I just kind of rough it in. I'm not I'm not going too crazy with it. Um, if you think to yourself, especially with what I'm doing right now, there's a lot of trees and stuff. How sharp is a silhouette going to be when it's supposed to look like it's 
off in the background? Do you really want it to be as sharp as possible? Tattoo well, you want your subject to be in focus and everything else to be slightly obscured and and uh, not detract from the the focus of the piece. Yep. Ultimately, given it's a tattoo, it's not a photograph, we're going to have a couple different subjects in focus. First and foremost, we have these two guys up front, they're going to be deep in focus, and then it's going to kind of be a little bit more uh, not so focused towards the, the, the middle right here, and then as you go more towards the back, then this guy's going to be more in focus because he's another subject that needs to be highlighted. I try to base a lot of stuff on photography because that's another passion that I have. That's another, uh, more or less a hobby, but I love it. Um, so I try to focus a lot of things around photography and how photography works and how I see things and how you, you know, you, you want to portray certain things. But also in photography, there's post-production. So once you go into Lightroom, and you go into Photoshop, you go into all that stuff. Now you start creating art with your photography. A lot of people don't look at it that way. So when we look at this tattoo, it's not going to be solely photography. You know, we are going to have certain elements as far as um, depth perception and everything. But as far as the tattoo itself, we have to keep in mind. It's, oh. it's just art. You know, like I've done pieces, like you can clearly see with what I'm doing right now, like is, is a good amount of contrast in the piece itself, but that's not, let's, let's be honest. When it heals up, it always heals up just a little bit lighter. Well, that's because the black is healing behind a milky, opaque-ish, even, you know, even brown skin uh, is still opaque tilting. It's, it's like a whiter or a tan film over the black. It's going to reduce the effect of the black. You're not going to see pure black. Yeah. You can get close. Yeah, close. But I, you know, I'm talking about like, I don't know if you've ever seen like a lot of the people who do a lot of black work and blackouts and stuff like that. And you see this stuff is so black. It's like you you don't see in, uh, where the where the skin starts. It's just black, dead black. And I mean, it's cool for a picture. If, you, if you're trying to show, you know, hey, look, you know, this is what I did. And I want to show that I use black. Awesome. You use a little bit of black. But at the same time, if you're going to filter the shit out of a picture like that, you're going to have to show us the, the real picture. You know, like, hey, swipe to the side so you can see the real picture of what my tattoo really looks like. Adrian, how many hours do you have into this piece so far? Give or take, I don't know, I want to say maybe about 22. Damn. Yeah, about 22 hours. That's a good time. Give, give or take. He doesn't feel any pain. No, you listen. I have some. I have some people who, the moment that needle touches them, I'm I'm already dreading the the whole session. Um, but people, some people do have unrealistic expectations of how quick you know you can finish a tattoo, and we don't really know how they sit. So what I like to do is I like to gauge people at first, and it's like, okay, you know, how many tattoos do you have? How was the longest that you've sat for? And if you haven't sat for a long time, maybe our first session, we might do uh, three to four hours just to see how you sit. And if you can sit longer than that, if, if I have the rest of the day free and I don't have another session, then we'll go ahead and we'll keep going until you tap out. Um, 
and usually off the first session I know if I can book someone for more than three or four hours uh, I know with this guy he can sit down for 10 12 hours if he needs to so it's always great to have him in the chair I personally depending on who's tattooing me three four hours some people maybe four or five hours but at that point I'm I'm miserable I mean your body can only take but so much you know, we, we want to believe that we can do so much more. We want to believe that, that, oh, yeah, I can sit for eight hours, no problem. And some of us can. I'll be honest. I'm not one of those some of us. But there are some people who can. And, and you know, more respect to those people than the ones who, like, like us. Yeah, like <laughs> us. You know, and, it's, and, I'll, and I'll be honest. It's usually, it's usually the artist who's, who, who taps out so much quicker. Uh, I've, I've tattooed a lot of artists. And I'm going to tell you, after about two to three hours, they can't take no more. I'm like, man, what happened? What's wrong with you? And like, well, I'm usually the one doing the tattoos, not getting them. So it feels like crap. Yeah. No, I had Brian Brown come in the warehouse yesterday, and uh, we were just shooting the shit a little bit. He's got a lot of people coming into the area now and, and doing, like, all-day, two-day sessions and things like that. And he himself is... Uh, you know, flown over to Europe and got tattooed for multiple days on end by like Victor Portugal and, and a few, you know, a few other high-end guys from these all-day, multiple-day sessions. Uh, and I'm just like, those people are superhuman to me. Like, I just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. No, I did. I did that one. My longest tattoo session that I've gotten tattooed was from David Vega. That was eight and a half hours, and I'm going to tell you, you can even ask him. If you talk to him, you can even ask him. At a, at a certain point, I'm just like, man, I don't know if I can do it. But I flew all the way to Texas. I know I know it's not Europe, but I flew to, I flew all the way to Texas, and, you know, I was just so happy to get this piece done. And, I mean, I was all, my nerves were jumping. I was all over the place. Um, I say the first, first four hours, I was good. The last four hours was hell. It was hell, and he's such a, he's just a, like a super cool, gentle, soft-spoken guy. Fucking, the way he tattoos, if it were, if it were any other person and it wasn't me, they'd, they'd probably say that they didn't feel a damn thing. Um, and I, and for, I'm gonna tell you, for the first maybe two hours, I just, I couldn't believe it. When he first started, when he first started, I'm like, oh, well, just let me know when you're gonna start, that way I can get prepared. And he's like, what are you talking about? We've been tattooing for like five minutes already. Oh shit! I thought you were just like touching me with your hand or something, trying to wipe it off. Mm. I don't know what the hell happened. He's—I mean, he's—he's he's really good. Um, but by the end, it felt like he was hitting you with a machete. <laughs> by by the end of it, I—I I honestly thought he was digging for gold. Um, nothing against him. Nothing against him. It's just yeah, my, my just pain tolerance is shitty. After a while. Yeah, pain tolerance went to shit. But eight well, and a half hours, I. I'll never do that again. I think the big thing is, is once you, once you lose focus, once your mindset changes, and you start thinking, okay, this hurts, that just the the mind blows that out of proportion. The anticipation of a needle hitting the skin next is just everything gets amplified after a certain point, and that's when you need to just you know quit and book another flight to Texas. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad we got it done. I'm glad we got. It. He was a. He was really trying to give me what I wanted, and he was really trying to do it in a, in, a, in a timely manner. So, you know, big ups to him for actually, you know, trying to please the client. Um, but next time I will book multiple sessions, and I'll make sure 
that you know I could probably get away with maybe five hours that's pushing it but I, I like to stick to like three four hours with with most people and and honestly you know it's always best to go with the shorter sessions because you know your client walks out of the shop not in in, in complete pain and feeling like they just want to die you know they 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 think themselves like damn it wasn't that bad I can't wait for my next session I know I've tattooed people to the point where I've had to tap out you know like like all right you know 10 11 12 hours I'm done I am physically and mentally exhausted I'm no longer able to give you my best work so I need to quit and those people may very well leave the shop feeling you know fresh as a daisy and waiting for the next session where I might be the guy regretting it, you know? Like. Yeah. <laughs> Especially on, on your back. That's the one thing about long sessions. Um, is It takes a toll on our back. It takes a toll on our hands. It takes a toll on our eyes. We have to constantly try to shift our eyes away from the, the, the work itself, from the artwork itself. That way, you know, we, we can keep working without seeing everything so flat. You start, you if you, if you do too much, you, you start to kind of lose focus on what you're doing. You kind of have to, like, get your eyes away from it. And what sucks is, you know, by the time you, you try to step away from it to go back to it, sometimes you're out of your, you're out of your mode, and then you got to get back in the zone. So I, shorter sessions, I believe, are better for everyone. Well, I noticed you're generally sitting with really good posture, too, now while you're tattooing, and, and that's going to take you a lot farther in the business because... I know a lot of my career, I wasn't even remotely conscious of, uh, you know, ergonomics and, and, and posture and, and things like that. And, well, that's probably why I can't tattoo that much anymore. But uh, it's important, longevity of the career, man. And, like, I mean, you work out anyways and, and you take good care of yourself. But, even like I said, just sitting straight and, and not only that, but I can tell you went to some extra lengths to get your customer comfortable here you know you've got an extra prop under his arm that is bridging the gap between his armpit and the armrest and I'm kind of wondering why nobody else ever thought of that or or who thought of it that you picked it up from because I'm thinking that's kind of genius but uh, I never thought of it in 27 28 years so I think I think more so I've seen a lot of people they they take the paper towels they they flatten it out. The roll of paper towel. They flatten it out and wrap it with um with saran wrap. And I seen that. and I'm like, there's got to be a better way. No, that's and, seriously ghetto. And when when I created this armrest, when I made this armrest, I kept that in mind. I said, man, I'm gonna have to have the pad where I can just have it on a quick release plate. So if I didn't need it on the armrest itself, I can remove it and put it under the person's arm, and it's still mm -hmm. as comfortable as possible. So, you know, I, I try to keep it a certain size where for most people it is comfortable. If anything, I can lower or raise this armrest. That way this one sits a little bit more comfortable. Right, you can and you change the angle or the pitch yeah. or whatever, yeah. So I can always turn it to the side or something. I might just bite that. Needle jig pit pads coming to you early next year. <laughs> just put my name on it. We'll be all right. The Abello pit pad? The, the Abello pit pad. That'll be awesome. <laughs> Throughout, you know, my life and stuff, my, my grandma and my mom, they, like, when it came to uh, school plays and stuff like that, you know, we didn't have the money. They would make the costumes. They would actually make everything. So they, you know, they, they understand how to do all that stuff. So when it comes to, you know, making all this stuff, 
it's, I don't I don't really have to look too far. I, I have family, and that's great. Truth be told, when I was a kid, I mean, I've always had, like, all kinds of crafts and making anything, so I I actually used to sew, you know, I would sew, I would use a sewing machine, I would make some of my own costumes for Halloween, you know, but I, I grew up broke, you know, really poor, so I had to get creative. My favorite toy was a roll of masking tape. I used to be able to take a roll of masking tape and make any other thing I wanted out of it, so. What, what was your favorite meal? My favorite meal? Yes. Probably still one of my favorites, and that would be like uh, like ham steaks with mashed potatoes and cream peas on top. And hold on, hold on. I'm talking about your favorite broke meal. Oh, broke meal. Broke man's meal. Oh, I, I don't know, man. I wasn't working back then. My parents yeah. fed me. Yeah. So what, Shit, as soon as I was able to work, I had money. What was it? My, <laughs> yeah, so I mean, like I know a staple in my home, and all my brothers and sisters, there's five of us, uh, they, they remember it clearly. We used to eat. White bread with sugar. We had sugar sandwiches. Yes. Sugar sandwiches. Okay, maybe I wasn't that broke then, man. I mean, <laughs> uh, my, my, my parents, you know, they both worked hard, and, uh, and there was always good food, you know. You know, we went without something else or whatever. There was, there was definitely always good food. My father's an amazing cook. And that's awesome. Sugar sandwiches, man. That's poor. That, no, that, that's poor. Um, I mean, if you think about it, is one woman taking care of five children on her own. So, sugar sandwiches were bomb. That was like, what? Hold on, you got Yes, sugar sandwiches. With some, <laughs> with some state peanut butter if we had it. That's amazing. I remember, uh, I clearly remember it was one winter. I don't know if it was every winter, but I remember one winter, uh, we, we had our fridge went out and the landlord wouldn't replace the fridge. And so, since it was so cold outside, um, all our groceries went out on the back porch. The only thing that would really suck about that is if, like, raccoons or dogs, stray dogs came out. You know, then we lose a lot of our groceries. They, they wouldn't mess with the milk, though, so we were good there. Um, but, you know, it was, it, was, uh, it was fun growing up. I honestly wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, I, I wouldn't want to be one of the people who grew up with money. It helped define you, man, and that's yeah. all. It's like, like good, bad, or indifferent, it, it, it's all part of what made you you yeah and i wouldn't trade it for anything in the world i, I love me i love being me i'm i you know I, everyone's a little self-conscious you're not um, so bad no i'm not i'm not too bad i'm, I'm all right I'm, I'm, i get by i get by not on my looks but i get by <laughs> but no i think i think once you come to terms with who you are where you came from even if you never want to go back always remember that Always remember that, because who, who you were or where you were at any point of your life is what makes you who you are today. Well, the good thing about your history is it's behind you, you uh -huh. know? I mean, and that's a, that's a key part, because I know, uh, well, most of the people I know in the business has done, have done some pretty fucked up shit over the years, you know? And uh, some people uh, figure it out and move forward, and unfortunately, we all have friends that, you know, never made that, but... Uh, yeah, no, your history, it's part of your makeup. It's part of your genetic being. It's what taught you the lessons you know and, uh, and develop the character that makes you you. People can hate me for whatever reason, but that's the same reasons they got to love me, too. Haters are a sure sign of success, man. Yes. yes. That's the way I look at it. Breach. Why do you think I go out of my way to make other people hate me? Makes me feel better, more successful. <laughs>
listen, you're gonna you're gonna get people who envy you, people who hate on you, people who talk shit about you. Everywhere and anywhere you go, your whole life is gonna happen, and there's no way that you can stop that. Either either they're they're jealous. A big part of it is jealousy, and of course, if someone is jealous, then that's because they'd rather be in your shoes than in their own. So that's a win for you. Maybe not for them, but it's a win for you. Yeah, you should never want people to to be like you or to want to be you. I don't want anyone to to be me. I, I, I love being me. I don't want anyone to be me. But, I, I, you know, if, if, uh, if they envy me a little bit based off of the skill that I have that I've worked hard to attain, then cool. That's, that's on them. That's something that they have to deal with. And, and, you know, I'm just happy that I got to that level where someone can hate me that much because I've done what I wanted to do with my life. It shows me that I'm on the right track. Too many people out there want to get to the next level, but do not want to put in the work required to get to that level. And then on top of that, not only do they, they want to be at the next level when they, they haven't built a stable foundation at the level they're at or the level that they think they left behind, you know? I mean, so if you don't, if you don't complete each level, it's virtually impossible to get to the next level. So many people want to jump ahead. They think there's a shortcut, and and there is no shortcut, man. Ten thousand hours minimum of mastery for anything. You ever, uh, when you were a kid, you ever tried to run and jump up a flight of steps, and you trip on one of the steps and bust your ass on the steps? No, but I did trip up the stairs trying to walk up them one time and bit the tip of my tongue off. Ugh. Maybe you should have been one of those kids <laughs> who was jumping up the steps. So the reason I bring that up is, is, you know, same, same, same difference, you know, the analogy, you know, you're trying to skip a few steps and you're trying to get up to the top of this, you know, uh, flight of stairs as quick as possible. So you're skipping steps and you're trying to move so fast that you trip and you end up busting your ass and what's going to happen? You might, you might bite your tongue off. You know what I mean? You might, you might do some crazy shit when you could have just easily held onto the rail and took your time and you know you're going to get up there. It doesn't matter how long it takes. You know you're gonna get up there eventually. You know, it's, it's all about a lot of. I think a lot of people worry too much about getting to their goals, rather than working and earning and striving and 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 you know just the the journey. You don't you don't learn anything from automatically getting everything from getting what you want from just receiving. You have to work really hard for it, and and I think all of. All of the fun is in just the learning and is in the process. It's not all about just getting there as quick as possible. Well, go back to your analogy. From a, being a science-minded guy in, in physics and all that other fun stuff, is it takes the exact same amount of energy as it takes to walk up those stairs as it takes to run up those stairs. So you're, you might be saving a little bit of time, but the same energy is exerted. So... Why not slow down, enjoy that journey, and do it well, do it properly, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, no, I see it all day, every day. Uh, young artists trying to get to the end game. And, uh, fuck. Who the hell wants, I don't ever want to get to the end game. I mean, I've been saying for years, if I, if I, if I ever get to the point where I know everything there is to know about tattooing, I've got nothing more to learn, and it's time to move on to something else. Mm -hmm. So I, I love learning. 
uh, not just tattooing, all kinds of shit. I've got rabbit holes dug everywhere. So it's, it's, it's ridiculous between the machining and the real estate and the finance and the investing and, 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 and art and tattooing. And there's just so many, so many topics of interest that I have and I'm regularly going down each rabbit hole in a different direction because I want to consume as much knowledge as I can on the topics that interest me. You know, tattooers need to focus the bulk of all their energy on tattooing. That's how they make their livelihood, their living. Uh, I'm kind of lucky. You know, I have, I have a number of people that help me make my living, so it frees up some time for me to do some other things. All right, so I, I actually just switched over to a 1215RM. RM means round mag. I uh, switched over to a 12. Uh, it will create bigger punctures, um, so you know, if, if I run the machine too slow, you might see some stippling in, in, in uh, the gradients. Um, regardless of what, you're still going to get a smooth shade. The reason I switched over is because I do need to cover a little bit more area as to where before I was working with a 1011RM, which, you know, according to, let's say, uh, if it was a 12, which is 12 is a standard size needle, there's different gauges to needles. So if it was a 12, I'd be more down around like a... a, a 1209 RM um, so I just switched from the 1211 which like I said I mean the 1011 which would be a 129 so now I'm at a 1215 so it actually covers more area given you know I'm running the machine a certain way and I'm not using solid black right now I'm, I'm uh, messing around with my shades I'm actually at a medium tone right now um, it's still gonna come out a little bit darker than what it would with a 10. I'm gonna get better saturation. Um, yeah, so that's kind of why I just switched over real quick. Cover more area and a little bit more saturation. With uh, with gray washes, a lot of people forget that you know you kind of need to saturate. People get so stuck on just kind of like lightly feathering and not saturating as much as they should. And I like to crosshatch as well. Um, off the rip, if you were to get really close, you're going to see some stippling in there. But what happens over time is underneath the skin, the ink is going to break up a little bit more and is going to be a lot smoother than what you put down on the skin. So, you know, you don't always have to worry so much about trying to get as smooth as possible with the healing process. It's going to smooth itself out a bit. Um, you know, with all this stuff, like what I'm doing right now, now I'm switching over to like um, a, a medium light shade. And once again, I'm still going to be able to, you know, get in there, smooth everything out. And as I'm smoothing out, you'll see when I wipe it off, it's still going to leave a fairly smooth shade. It's not going to be too dark. It might look a little bit more bruised than anything. But if you notice, it's, you know, it's still kind of light because I put give on the machine. It has a, a give knob on it and I'm able to give it a few passes and especially with these cartridges you know the way that they're made they're fucking awesome you know you could do two three passes without damaging the skin too much and you know of course while tattooing we do damage the skin that's what we're doing we're creating beautiful scars and that's perfectly fine as long as we all understand what the process is so um right now is just you know me getting these nice little tones in here and starting to build and build, 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 
until finally I get to exactly where I want it. I try not to leave too much skin showing as far as like a skin break or negative area. So even in areas where I think that I should leave it a little bit lighter, if I'm not gonna add white to it, then I am gonna add my lightest tone. And I don't mind layering over, you know, I'm, I see the trees right here. I can go over the trees and I'm not really gonna damage that. Um, I know how it's gonna heal given I, I understand the equipment. And that's a big thing is that we, you know, as, as an artist, you have to understand all of your equipment. It's not all about just knowing how to draw or knowing, you know, how to, how to paint or just knowing how to tattoo in general. A lot of people know how to technically, you know, apply a tattoo, but the same people possibly don't know anything about art at all. So, you know, you, you, you have to understand all of it. You can't just understand bits and pieces or think you understand bits and pieces. Um, so a lot of it does have to do with the equipment, but but the main thing is, you know, the, the artist behind everything. If the artist knows what the hell he's doing, then you're going you're gonna to get the best imagery um, possible. All right, so I'm switching over machines right now. This is a, a Spectra Halo 2 from FK Irons with, of course, lightning bolt pack on it. Got it all taped up real nice. Make sure there's no cross-contamination. Dynasty cartridge, 1027RM. And this actually creates for extremely, extremely smooth shades. I love it. I don't just like it. I love it. There we go. Bring that down. We don't want to destroy the skin. So 7.5, that's perfectly fine medium light. I know how this stuff heals up. Get right in here. What I like to do is pull. You can push if you want, but the best thing is to pull. Like I was saying, you can always push. There's nothing wrong with pushing the needle. There's different techniques. So you can always push from the edge, push out. Stick that needle out a little bit more. What I like to do is just pull. It's more time consuming, but it leaves for much smoother shades, much smoother transitions. You can actually layer a couple times more without damaging the skin too much. You can always, if you want to go a little bit darker, if you feel like it's not doing exactly what you want, you just go with a much darker shade and you do the same thing. Then there's also the pendulum swing. You know, you just kind of back and forth, let it rock a little bit. That also creates those nice smooth blends. Um, you're gonna get the dark contrast that you want. So you see how that kind of blended itself right there. With these silhouettes, we want to get as close as we can to them. It doesn't matter if we touch any of them. Once we throw in our highlights, if we want to throw in our highlights, then it's going to be perfectly fine. To just layer over some of the gray wash because we haven't really jammed it in. We're, we're still kind of doing like the pendulum swing a little bit. Um, and then with the backstroke technique. I, I call it the backstroke technique. It has nothing to do with swimming. But, you know, 
just a cool little name that I wanted to give it. Um, so you just kind of pull towards you and it leaves that nice buttery smooth shade. And I'm actually working with my, my medium shade right now. Um, so where normally you would imagine that medium is so close to dark that it would leave it extremely dark based off of you know every you know the technique that I'm using the the needle configuration that I'm using you know you can achieve different things get that nice and smooth get in here right in here just a little bit it's okay to move in circular circular rhythm right there it's alright I'm using the edge of the mag to kind of get into those little areas. Pull on the skin so it's nice and tight. I've seen a technique that people use where they pinch the skin a little bit, but not really my thing. So once again, just pull. So just use the backstroke technique. Try to get those shades in there real nice. And then, you see how it's starting to smooth itself out? And minimal trauma, you see it's not bleeding, it's not, super red it's you know it's, it's, it's not crazy so then by the time we're done with this you know like a lot of this stuff is just gonna look normal like as if you know he's been tattooed a week ago and that's that's the ultimate goal when you have somebody in the chair you want them to walk out of here you know with blood without blood dripping down their arm and then feeling like they just got butchered and and your artwork can be amazing but if you don't have the right technique to make sure that your shades are in there smooth, if you don't have the right equipment, if you don't have the right anything, then that's exactly what you're gonna be, a butcher. And Mark, I love you, and and I'd appreciate, highly appreciate, the fact that when we first met, you, you did slam me the way that you did, because it was not to make me feel like shit, it was to, to, to help me. So at the end of the day, when I talk about it, even if it sounds bad, it sounds bad to someone who's thinking negatively. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily care how other people want to interpret the story. You know, it doesn't bother me at all, man. Uh, I'm um, glad. If, if, I, if I didn't like you or respect you, I certainly wouldn't have told you what the hell you were doing wrong. Or giving me the time of day. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, you don't. I wouldn't be rude, but but. But at the same I time, mean, you don't want to give everybody the time of day. Let's be honest. Some I don't people, have time to give everybody the time of day. Exactly. That's the problem. You have uh, to you have to pick and choose and understand. All right, cool. Well, you know, let let me talk to this person for a couple minutes and see their character and see what they're about. Yeah. You know. How and, seriously do they take this job, man? I mean. Yeah. Uh, how how. How much love do they have for tattooing? You know, they're still going to be doing this when it's no longer popular, when there is no real revenue in it. You know, I mean, a lot of people are going to move on to something different. They're going to choose a different career path. Then there's going to be people that are just, uh, they're going to tattoo till their dying day. And those are the people I want to be around because they, yeah. you know, you, super passionate. They care. They love. And then, like, people that strike me as those type of people, I'll share virtually anything I know with them. Honestly, when I get to the point where I, I cannot tattoo anymore, I just want to teach. They say those who cannot do, teach. And I, and I, I do not mind. I, I will teach even Why till... do you think I'm always giving advice? Yep. <laughs> and why do you think I'm always taking it? I, I don't mind taking advice. You, you tell me where I'm, what I'm doing wrong, 
and you know every once in a while i might have an excuse or i wouldn't say excuse maybe like a I don't know, I might tell you why why I'm doing it the way that I'm doing it. And if you're more knowledgeable than I am, then by all means, you let me know that I'm wrong, that that's a dead end. And and I don't mind taking taking the critique. To me, you know, as long as you're not telling me, oh, dude, you're fucking trash, just fucking quit today. Everything else, I'll take it. I, I, want, I want the critique. I want the constructive criticism. I want to get better. Every day, you should want to get better. Well, what if your work was trash and you should quit today? Uh, I mean, I, I, it's not the case, but I'm saying, like, I mean, if if if, <laughs> if I if I was, I think I would I, I wouldn't want to hear it, but I'd know it. No, you know enough about art, man. Yeah, you, you, you know good art when you see it, and and that's what makes the difference. There's a lot of tattooers out there. I, I don't even I can't even use the term tattooers. There's a lot of people out there tattooing that don't know a fucking thing about art, and that's the that's that's the problem. Here's the difference: you can say tattooers. There's a shit ton of tattooers out there, but the industry is limited to actual tattoo artists where we use tattoos as a way to project our art rather than just using tattoos as a means of income so you know i i, I love art i love different types of art i love all the different aspects i find art in everything i anything you tell me you can talk to me about the most bullshit of bullshit and i'm going to figure a way to to say well, you know, it's just art. You have to look at it this way. And, you know, I'm always going to play devil's advocate to, to see the artistry in everything. We can say tattooers. Um, there no, are... I refuse. You, you can refuse all you want. Those There's, are just people that tattoo. That's all. Those are tattooers. No, they're not tattooers. No, there's a difference between tattooers and tattoo artists. Big difference. Big difference. Yeah... Terminology, man. It's all terminology. I don't want to give them the respect of throwing fucking the word tattooer, tattoo artist, tattoo anything their way because, uh, I mean, all right, I'm an ink snob. I always have been, and and I'm not sure why. I'm not super talented myself, you know. I mean, I get by, I do okay. But um, tattooing is sacred to me, and even today, and I've been saying this for 20 years or more, is... I've been saying 90% of all people tattooing shouldn't. And it's unfortunate, but it's the truth. And what's even worse is I see a lot of people that don't have the history, the knowledge, or any expertise whatsoever that are out there trying to influence and teach others. And that is the blind leading the blind. Yeah, You know, it's, it's like, you know, I... The people that say, you know, hey, I learned how to tattoo on YouTube, and I'm going to teach everybody else on YouTube how to tattoo now that I know. And like, you don't know shit. You got a bunch of misinformation. You might be able to get something to stick in the skin, but you really don't know much. You might have stumbled across a, a couple of cookies and and, and, a, and a little bit of accurate knowledge, but most of what they're consuming through the internet is misinformation and then misinformation just gets compounded every time it's passed on i mean think about it you're you're there's people out there learning from people that don't know anything yeah and then turning around and teaching what they know or what they which don't is know. even less than the person that taught them knows it's an entire shit show and it's terrifying uh, not terrifying 
I find it almost entertaining and nauseating at the same time, if that's possible. I feel clients should always do their homework. You should do your homework. You want to get a tattoo? Do your homework. Make sure, you know, leading into the tattoo, you understand that the artist that you're you're inquiring with does the style that you want. You don't just go to any tattoo artist to get any tattoo. Can I do traditional work? Yeah, I can do traditional work. Do I understand traditional work? For the most part, um, I can copy what I see. But there's people that do that better. Much better. So go, if that's what you're seeking, go mm -hmm. see those people, or you will guide them to those I people. Will. You know, I will, I sure. will. And I've always been that type of you're person. Always, yeah, you're like, yeah, you want, I want my clients to have the best experience possible. Whether it's from me or not, I want to help in any way I can. I, guess I, I know what I can do. I know my limits. I know what I can do. Um, if I feel that I cannot do it, I will pass I will pass to the next person who's beyond capable of doing the job. For me, I consider it a collector. If I want a tattoo from a certain artist, I will go to that artist and I will get tattooed by that artist. It's it's also known as a shop hopper. Uh, it's it a is collector. what it is. It's just a collector. I, yeah, for, for us, because we're artists, we look at it as a collector for people who don't really know too well for uh, quote-unquote tattooers. I know you don't want to give them that name, but for those guys who just get mad that their clients go to other people, they'll call you a shop hopper. Um, to me, shop hoppers are artists that fucking burn every bridge and keep moving along. Well, I mean, as far as a client <laughs> right. goes. But, yeah, no, I... Yeah, I, I hate those kind of mm -hmm. tattooers um, or tattoo enthusiasts. Mm -hmm. I like tattoo, uh, tattoo collectors that, that uh, you are called shop hoppers or whatever. I, I'm not the kind of artist that just wants my, tat, my clients to get tattooed from me. I don't mind. I, I encourage them to go out and get whatever they want from anybody. But please make sure that the guy is at least equal to or better than I am. Yes. Because... I certainly do not want you coming back and asking me to repair something that was done somewhere else. I'll do that for my best clients. Well, when I was tattooing every day, I certainly would do that. But, oh, I would make them pay dearly, you know, both financially and mentally. Uh, because it's it, I'm doing extra work now. And it was avoidable. Yes. So, but as long as you're going to somebody that's equal to or better than... Absolutely. Go collect whatever you want from whoever you want. Yeah, that's that's my view on it. I, I like that, that that you think like that because there's way too many tattooers out there um, who really get mad that their cl their clients would go to someone else. They don't own the client. That's the thing. It's not they're not their clients. You know, their shows ownership. I mean, it's it's a it's a word that shows ownership. Yeah, and that doesn't exist. No. I mean, you know, the slave trade kind of passed a few years back. There are people that are trying to bring it back, though. Yeah. But, you know. but we do not support them. <laughs> Under no circumstance do we support them. No, no we do not. We love our freedom yeah. and those of our peers. All in all, I've been here my whole life. Um, I don't see myself going anywhere. As much as I complain about, about Connecticut, I really don't see myself going anywhere. You grow up somewhere and you learn to love it. Even if you don't at first, you can have whatever quarrel that you have with your hometown, but at the end of the day, it's home. <laughs> I mean, I love where I live now, but as I get older, I dislike the winters more and more. So, you know, at some point, I'm going to get another home somewhere else, and I'm going to do the uh, 
cliche snowbird thing. I'm going to uh, fly south for the winter or something. I don't know. Nice. I, I wish I could. Um, you will. Most someday. Of, yeah, someday. Most of my clientele is based in this area. New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. Um, so for, for me to just up and leave somewhere would be extremely irresponsible of me. Why? You can get back and tattoo here six or eight months a year. You know, and then you develop a client, another client base in another town somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, easier said than done, I guess. No, yeah. it's not. Yeah. And then your time is limited. Then your time is limited in each location, and therefore your demand is higher in each location, and therefore you can charge more and pay for that second home. So, Adrian, you done yet? Done. With the tattoo? Come on, man. This oh. is like taking hours. Hours. Um, hours. Yeah, I'm, I'll be done in like five minutes. You know, I just got to rough everything in, and once I'm done with that, you know, then I'll just Photoshop the rest of it. Do you know what click I really, really, really miss tattooing? The whole goth era. Like, those people never went out in the sun, so their skin was just mm -hmm. so soft and white, you know, just, just, just. Paper. Yeah, it was like, it, it was like working on canvas or paper or something. I actually started using um, coil machines. I wasn't always I wasn't always a, a rotary guy. I started using rotary. Um, I don't know, maybe 2017. I want to say it was Baltimore. Okay, then. Uh... Um, that's when I bought my first FK machine. To be honest with you, that's okay. when I I first bought um, the one that I have uh back there that that. Spectra, the, the Halo 2. Mm -hmm. I, bought, I bought that one in Baltimore. Um, it's a good transition machine, man, from coil to rotary. Right? It is. It's similar. It is. And, to, and you see, till today, I still use it. Mm -hmm. I'm, not, I'm not one of those guys that I just get stuck on what's new, what's hot. Um, obviously, I didn't get the Flux. Um, I hear so many great things about it, but I haven't gotten it. And, you know, there's certain things for me, you know, with my style and my technique that it's... Uh, I need to stick to, to what I know. I'm not going to switch it up because, you know, there's a, a brand new amazing machine that's out there. It's always good to try new things, but when it comes to your daily runners, uh, just stick with what you know, what works best for you. What's really cool, though, is there's such a community, like a trade community out there now. So if you buy any new machine out there and just want to try it and run it for a month and see what happens... If you don't like it or it doesn't suit your style, there there's tons of tons of buyers out there that are taking off your hands for you, and you know, so you lose fifty bucks or a hundred bucks, and you pass it on to the next guy. You still got your money's worth. You yeah. know, you tattooed with it for a couple of weeks, maybe a month, and and just to find out whether it worked for you or not. There was one machine that I bought. I wasn't a fan. Um. It, it was a good machine, and it's a good machine for a lot of people. I know many people. I have a couple friends, um, and, and, you know, my brother actually has that machine, um, and he loves it. He swears by it. Both the other guys in this shop use that other brand of machine, and they, they didn't start with that machine. They started with an, another brand, and they ended up moving over to that specific brand, and it works for them, but I used the machine for give or take three months and I just couldn't I, I stood with what I'm using now um, and I actually went out and bought another one as a backup uh, yeah you would know I got it from you well personally I don't know man but like thank you yeah. gotta, 
But no, I mean, that's just, uh, people call all the time and they, uh, too many people are, ask for recommendations. And I'm like, man, that's impossible to, you know, like, maybe once I get to know somebody and I start to, I look at a lot of their art and I, and I look at their style of tattooing, but I'd physically have to watch somebody tattoo for a little while. And then maybe I could recommend the machine, but then it's still a coin toss, whether they're going to feel comfortable with it or not. You know, I know it'll work because they all work. They all work. But it's a matter of finding what machine matches your style. You know, do you tattoo fast? Do you tattoo slow? Uh, just there's so many variables out there. Uh, the weight of a machine. People don't understand. The weight of a machine is critical. It's important. The lighter a machine is, the harder your hands and tendons and muscles work to hold the machine closer to the skin for the needles to break the resistance of the skin. And the heavier a machine is, it works different muscles because you're holding the machine up, but there's a heavier weight behind the machine. So when the needles hit the skin, there's something behind them so the needles penetrate easier. You know, it, it, it's everything you do is a trade-off, just like everything else in life. So you can get a super light machine because it's a, easier to handle and use, but you're going to apply more pressure to the skin to get the needles to penetrate. You know, you get a heavier machine, uh, that's going to do a lot of the penetration work for you, but then you have to drag around a heavy machine. So there's... there's you gotta find the happy medium that suits you best. Yeah, I mean that's that's why I stuck with the machines that I have. I love the give knob. I you know I can I can turn it to the point where I control the machine, and you fully control the machine. There's so many different variables that you're you're able to control the exact. So I, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick my needle out a little bit more, get a little bit more throw, because I want to do a certain type of style. Um, I bring it in a little bit more if I just want to go a little bit smoother with some things. I have no problems right in the tube. I know there's so many people out there who still look at that like a rookie thing. And to me, it's whatever gets the job done right. the right way. I know guys that hang their needles out there like a quarter inch or longer. And, and it works for them. Yeah. To me, it's terrifying. And if I'm the client in the chair, and somebody comes at me and their needle's hanging out the goddamn end of the tube, like three-eighths of an inch while it's coming towards me, I, there's... there's there's a mental block there, man. It, it, it's, it's intimidating. Even though, even though I know just the tip is being, just the tip, <laughs> just the tip's being used, but it's a, uh, it, it's a visual thing. It's, it's, I don't know. I try and tattoo just off the edge of my tube. Yep. I, I, I do probably ride my tube here and there, making certain angles and corners and doing things, but I, I've always tried to stay just off my tube because I don't want, well, I don't want the tip of my tube to be picking up the blood, the plasma, and everything and putting it into the ink reservoir. Yep. Uh, that's probably my number one reason for not really riding the tube. But also, anything that's contacting the irritated skin on the client, it's obviously going to cause a little more discomfort. So, by coasting just a hair above, I'm kind of, uh, you know, avoiding those two scenarios, and that's the way I think about it. So it's not always easy, though, man. And this was a tip that I got from Ralph Nonweather. Sand the tip of the tube. So get, like, a really fine grit sandpaper and just kind of, like, rub it down so even if it, there is any jaggedness, it kind of comes off. 
Um, I mean, there's also no, no, because even back in the day of steel tubes, man, those things were polished. Now you're taking a smooth surface. Well, even so, you're taking it. Those things come out of an injection mold, which has a very polished, glossy, smooth surface. Any abrasion to that whatsoever is actually creating a rougher surface. So it doesn't make any sense to me uh, from a from a from an engineering standpoint. Um, there's 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 if if we wanted the the tips of the cartridges, the tubes, or anything to be different, or there was an advantage to it, we would do that during manufacturing. Okay. Um, same thing with uh, needles on bars. Let's go back to the day, you know, like used to drive me crazy. I walk through a show or go through a shop and somebody breaking out brand new needles on bars and then they start to bend them. They get that flex in them that they like to get the needles right into the back of the tube, stuff like that. And I would cringe. I would cringe. I'd be like, man, if the machines and the needle bars and everything were intended to be that way, we would produce them that way in mass numbers and they would be perfect coming out of the box for you. Um, having the needle bar in a totally straight line and the, and the needles running collinear with the bar is that gives a straight line. So therefore the force of the machine is being directed straight down the bar, straight into the needles and straight into the skin. Anytime you break that plane, you take that straight bar and you put a bow in it, you are creating a spring effect. Um, you know, I mean, I can, I can take a, uh, a, a small piece of aluminum tubing that is a half an inch in diameter, a really thin wall, and I can stand it up here and put a, uh, probably put a 500 pound block of steel on top of it. And that little pole will hold that 500 pounds of steel. But as soon as I push any energy on that bar in any direction and take that out of a straight line, that 500 pounds of steel is just going to collapse that bar. It's just simple science, physics, and stuff. So, so yeah, whereas people think they're improving the products by doing those things, they're actually creating more issues, or, or, or I should say creating inefficiencies. You know, which it's, okay, if your needles aren't right in the back of your tube... The truth is that's a tube problem or a machine alignment problem. Your armature bar is not lined up with the uh, properly to the tube where your needle's riding where it's supposed to be. It's that simple. But no, that $500 machine they bought, that couldn't have been built incorrectly. It has to be that cheap needle. You know, that has to be the error, the problem. And like, it's just bizarre, man. I, I, I've always. I've always laughed at the the people that think that they're smarter than the manufacturers. It just, you know, it, it never made sense to me. So stop doing that. <laughs> uh, I never had a problem with it, so I never had to. Well, I mean, just brought it up. <laughs> I've uh, I've I've thought about it, um, but never had to. Ever since uh. Ever since I was reminded that the, the tapered edge of the tube allows you to see more of your needle, it's like, oh, so I, I could ride the tube or I can just kind of make sure that I always see more of my needle and I understand where my needle is going. I understand how deep it's going and everything. 
I, I more or less I ride the tube if I have to, depending on the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but never had I never had an issue with uh, honestly never had an issue with your cartridges with with Dynasty cartridges. I I've tried various other cartridges and you know some of them some of them were good some of them were were better than good um but in i think in in everything you know there there are the little flaws that you think you can fix and there's the flaws that maybe no one can fix um but thus far i'm extremely happy and 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 i honestly don't see myself ever using any other brand personally personally um, you know, price point is great. The way it's Mine's crafted low, is great. The prices. <laughs> but the way it's crafted is, is, is great. Um, I'm definitely glad that now it's not just O-ring. Now we do have the membrane cartridges. And that's a, a huge plus for me. Um, because I was getting a lot of flack. People, oh, it's not clean. It's not clean. And I'm like, listen, you guys tattooing open areas next to other artists you know like you don't have fucking robes on you only have gloves like nothing like yeah tattooing is sanitary to an extent we do our best to make sure that everything is sanitary but we're not in the doctor's office we're not in a medical facility to really sit there and pick every little thing apart well it's not a hundred percent required but i mean just 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 normal common cross-contamination practices is is uh, is your best friend yeah. In any scenario, but uh, I mean, are membrane cartridges better than O-ring cartridges? Yes, they offer a little bit of additional protection for backflow and backflow only, uh, but not cross contamination. You can cross contaminate somebody with a mem- with your 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 other devices with a membrane cartridge just as easily as you can an O-ring cartridge. Uh, I've only seen very, very, very limited uh, examples of people having massive backflow, and I've always wondered how in the hell they made that happen. You know, I mean, um, you would have to be tattooing, holding your machine, you know, at, at, at least level or almost inverted, and you would have to have an awful lot of ink in the reservoir. Close. So, you know, it's just, I, I've never understood how that's happened. Though I've seen some examples, and uh, I've yet to be able to explain it, because I haven't experienced it. And But, some new things coming down the road to help keep machines, pen machines in particular. Oops, did I say that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this thing's in the works, so... Uh, you know, I had my first prototype pen back in 2015. I remember. And I, artists use them, hand them around, found an issue with it, and, uh, and uh, never pursued it because at that point I didn't have a solution to the issue that I found. Um, I did find a solution and uh, working towards that now that I have a little more free time. But, uh, well, I'd love to try that machine out. Uh, when, it's when, gonna you know, be a while, but well, I'll be here a while. Wow, guys, what a day! Spent the afternoon with Adrian Obello, watched some tattoo, talked a little bit about tattooing, 
his client's sitting like a rock still. We need to get out of here. It's getting late. Been a long day. Thank you so much for watching. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe. Check out Adriana Bello, Ink House 203. And once again, man, thank you so much. Enjoy.